Welcome to the Missouri Valley's Mobilizing Voices for Change, One Valley podcast. I'm Kelly Burke, and today we're talking Title IX in Missouri Valley Conference women's sports. I'm excited to be joined by a very esteemed panel of guests, including the retired SIU Hall of Fame golf coach, Diane Doherty, the Missouri Valley Conference's all-time winningest volleyball coach in Northern Iowa, Coach Bobby Peterson, Illinois State volleyball player, Kendi Hilliard, and Evansville softball student athlete, Mackenzie McCarran. I should also mention, Kendi, you're obviously a student athlete as well. So, so excited to have you all here and looking forward to the conversation. To kick things off, uh, you know, it is the 50-year anniversary this year of Title IX, so let's start there. Diane, let's begin with you. Title IX actually passed when you were in high school. How did it change the course of not only your athletic life, but your future career? Uh, well, it, it was everything. Um, it was 72, and I was actually a sophomore in high school when it passed. So I was on the very first girls basketball team. And then by the time, because there was a lot of, of uh, still things to work out, when I was a senior, I was able to join the boys golf team. And so that one year of exposure, I went to college on a scholarship. I then played professional golf, and then I coached. So I think Title IX probably dictated my whole career. Wow. Bobby, you, uh, you were a student athlete and a very good one at Northern Iowa in the late eighties when it was still technically the gateway conference. So what, how did, how did title nine impact your life, especially as you got to the high school and college level? Well, I think that the interesting thing is like, um, I didn't have sports in elementary at all, except for the T-ball softball. For some reason, softball was, was the only thing. And part of that, I think, you know, I was from a small town, so we didn't have a lot of opportunities. And even in junior high, I, I tell our team, like I was a junior high football cheerleader because it was the only thing that we could do. And I had a good voice and I was a good pyramid, bottom of the pyramid. So um, that's what I did. It was the only opportunity. And so we did a little bit of basketball in junior high, but not until high school was there anything kind of organized. And I always say, well, our organized was elementary football. You know, we organized that or after school, we organized our sports, but um, the technically organized things didn't really happen for me until high school. So even just deciding to play volleyball because every sport was kind of new uh, at that time for me, um, especially at a really competitive level, but I'm so incredibly thankful for the opportunity to, to go to Northern Iowa and to be able to be on a scholarship and then decide that, okay, this is what I want to do for my life, you know, and um, just seeing what sports I, you know, I look at it as what Title IX brought is just the, the opportunities and the avenues to do to, for me, in my opinion, just to be the best person that I could be because the circumstances, the environments, the people that you are involved in through sport just develop you and grow you in so many ways. So, um, you know, and I, I have four daughters that, you know, love athletics as well, but, you know, it's not, it's not just the sport, it's who you become during those sports and the opportunities that you have. So incredibly thankful for those opportunities. And we'll talk more about, you know, not just really understanding the, the growth of the sport and, and things that we thought were okay back then, um, as I'm sure Diane can <laughs> say, um, you know, really it, it's grown a lot. Some of these student athletes would probably be shocked as to how, you know, how we traveled, how we ate, you know, different things like that. But didn't really think about it because we just loved having the opportunity, I guess, to be able to compete. Yeah. Ken, 
Kendi and Mackenzie, you're current student athletes at your respective schools. And Kendi, let's start with you. I know Leanna Bordner, she's huge on making sure all the, especially the female student athletes, she's the senior women administrator at Illinois State, and she's huge on making sure you all know what Title IX is. So what was your introduction to Title IX? So my introduction is kind of based on solely on Leanna Bordner, just because I have a career opportunity of wanting to be an athletic, excuse me, wanting to be an athletic director post my playing career. So having the opportunity of just talking to her about what she's seen as a student athlete, as a coach, has really like honed in on that I want to continue to break the ceiling and like pull people um, from behind and making sure we're all like just leading with our own voice and making sure there's always a chance for another woman or another voice to be presented at the table as well. Yeah, um, I, I wanna follow that up on that for a second before we go to Mackenzie. You, you mentioned you wanna be an athletic director. Um, I know you want your goal is to be an athletic director, college athletic director by the time you're 33 and you're already well <laughs> on your way. You, have your, you already have your undergraduate degree and you're working on your master's in sports management. How do you feel like you've, you've also interned for the athletic department. I believe you interned for Leanna. How, how can you be an example of change in a college athletic space where, frankly, it's, it's still not the norm to see a female athletic director, let alone a black female athletic director? Right. Um, I would just say it's all about the voice and having the opportunity to even be in the room. So I'm always asking um, our AD, Kyle Brennan, or always asking Leanna Bordner if I can just go sit in a meeting or if I can just be on a call with her. So I'm listening and learning about verbiage that I probably wouldn't always know as a student athlete or in just being able to have the opportunity to sit in a room and like be in a meeting and even being on this call with amazing pioneer women as such as this panel. And it just makes, it makes life seem more, more, um, let's see, what's the word? Not sure what the word is, but it makes it more worthwhile when you have other people to like bounce ideas off of as well. Yeah, I, I love that you have such big goals and I love that you already are advocating for yourself. That's so important. Mackenzie, I'll, I'll ask you the, the same question. Um, what was your introduction to Title IX? Yeah, so obviously we have the mandatory workshops that everyone has. You have to have, I believe one per year. Um, so that was kind of my basic introduction is just the actual logistics of what Title IX was. Um, but then I believe it actually kind of hit me what it was for the, especially the gender equity portion, um, whenever I was a student athlete at UE, um, just kind of seeing, you know, the things they do to make things equitable on campus and just to ensure that student athletes are receiving the same opportunities. Um, but then I got to see that flip side, um, whether it was for the good or for the bad. Um, as being a member of SAC. So obviously we've seen things such as the um, women's basketball tournament within the NCAA and the gender equity review that's spewed from that. Um, and I, I do get the privilege to sit on the committee on women's athletics within the NCAA. So we did dug a lot into the Kaplan review and the gender equity review that came out of that. Um, so being a part of SAC and having the ability to sit on all three levels has really given me that in-depth perspective of what Title IX is. Um, so it's my perspective has changed a bit every every year that I've been involved um, as a student athlete. Um, I'd say it's really developed and I've kind of started to actually understand how 
the women in athletics, especially, I mean, before we were, we were even alive, have paved the way to what athletics is today. For example, like sometimes um, if we were to see some disparity, it may be like the smallest inconvenience to us, but thinking back to what women's athletics was when it first started, like we've come so far, we still have a long way to go, don't get me wrong, but we've come so far and I'm so proud of what um, Title IX has done for women's athletics. Thank you, that was uh, really well said. Uh, Diane, I wanna give you a chance to jump in here because uh, you probably in your coaching career saw the, the biggest disparities <laughs> that existed of this group. So what were some of the challenges that you faced, uh, especially early in your coaching career in relation to not only Title IX, but just women's athletics in general? Well, I was lucky uh, to be hired by Charlotte West. And if you don't know who Charlotte West is, she's the pioneer of Title IX. She was uh, president of the AIAW when the NCAA took over the uh, AIAW and uh, really a Title IX expert. So she was my boss from the, from the first second I was hired. Um, you know, back even before that, when you talk about ways to travel, we would, when I was uh, on a golf team at Stevens College, we were top 10 in the country. We would travel in my coach's station wagon and our Pedrium was like $5 a day. So, you know, it was, Title line was there, but it was still rough. We, you know, we literally had bake sales and car washes and we made it to the uh, AIW championship, which is equivalent to the NCAA championship every year. So then I took a little break, played, and then got into coaching in 86. And uh, I think that we were fighting the whole stigma. And we've talked about this a little bit, Kelly, that most people uh, that are genuine athletes and care about athletics, don't, they don't want Title IX to take away from men. We just want the same opportunities given. So not at the expense of a wrestling team being cut or a baseball be team being cut, uh, but it's just fair to have opportunities. But uh, I realized that very quickly when I came to SIU to coach golf. Number one, it was a, a NIP, a non-income producing sport. So if I wanted a budget, I was going to have to go raise it. So I took on fundraising, uh, which I would say was a, almost a bigger part of my job than coaching because I wanted my kids to have an opportunity to wear nice stuff, uh, to travel to Hawaii, uh, you know, fly, not just be stuck in our little budget world. So, uh, that was unique. I think that, that, uh, it, it wasn't given to us at all because it's just, you know, it just has to be equal to opportunity for men and women, not sports, you know, specific. Yeah. So um, we, I had, we had challenges as a, as a female uh, coach and a coach of a female sport, even though, you know, I had one of the leading title nine representatives here and she made sure everything was fair. It was still uh, fundraising was probably my number one thing. Yeah, which is crazy. I, I should add too that I mean you were still fundraising a lot of money at, at the end of your career, even. Oh, we we raised our budget. We we basically fundraised our budget, and what the university gave us was a, a like little icing on the cake. Bobby, you uh, you have a very unique perspective in that not only were you a, a student athlete, you and I obviously you've been the longtime volleyball coach there. So what were, what, what have been from even when you were back dating back to being a student athlete to now 
as the longtime coach, what have been some of the unique challenges you've dealt with in, in both roles um, that your male counterparts necessarily haven't had to deal with? Yeah, I think, you know, like I said earlier, you know, some of the things when I was a student athlete, I think you just really don't realize how different they are. Uh, you know, one of the biggest things that I look back now, you know, strength and conditioning is such a big thing now. Um, back when I played, like literally they just told us, go to the weight room when you have time, jump in with a football team if you can. So, you know, I had friends that were offensive linemen. So I'm doing an offensive lineman lift, which is not good for volleyball. So, I mean, it just like those things where, and I, you know, I keep thinking, oh, if we would have had strength and conditioning and even our male counterparts back then had more specific a strength and conditioning coach that actually worked with them, but we just go to the weight room and lift. And, you know, I talk, you know, we joke a lot about the travel and the food and, um, you know, we just, we made the best of it because again, it was so thankful for the opportunity just to compete. But I think it's, you know, like Diane said, with the fundraising, it's, it's the strong women that understand the differences. So we're going to fight and we're going to fundraise so that our student athletes have the opportunities because, you know, even here at Northern Iowa that we, we do that still, you know, in this day and age, we're fundraising to be able to do things that are, you know, not even just equal to the male counterparts, but other people, other female sports across the country, you know, in our own sport. So, um, but I think what happens is, you know, you, you have some success and then you have success, but you don't necessarily get more things or get more resources because it's, you have that success with what you have. So it's kind of a, you know, it's a tough battle because, you know, the more you fight for it and fundraise, then you're not necessarily going to maybe get some of those advances just because you're doing well with it. Um, but, you know, like Diane, you know, we, we want the best for our student athletes and we're, we're going to do what we can to give them the best opportunities. And, and even some of them that we can't do or can't get to, you know, we're going to make the best of that situation. We're never going to, you know, feel sorry for ourselves or bad about it. You know, we're going to take what we have and we're going to go work with it. So, um, so I think just the challenges of being able to um, not just, again, the gender differences, but just um, within your own sport, being able to, because we're all competitive. We all, we all want to have the resources to be successful. Um, and, and we're going to fight hard to get them and we, our student athletes deserve it. Um, and, and we're going to keep fighting hard. So I think that's just, that will continue to be a constant battle. But, um, again, I always, I just think that the title line, is just so much about the opportunities and we still have a long way to go, with some of the other things um, to, you know, like you said, with the women's basketball, I think that was one of the biggest examples of, you know, where we're still at with resources and opportunities, you know, like you said, becoming a college AD, you know, so some of those things, I think we still have a long way to go. Love the opportunities to just be able to participate that have come, you know, look at the young kids and what they're able to do right now. It's just absolutely amazing. Yeah. Mackenzie, you mentioned, you know, you're the the national SAC representative for uh, the, the Missouri Valley Conference. And for people that don't know what that is, it's the Student Athlete Advisory Committee. Um, and actually when I was at Arizona State, I was a SAC representative um, at Arizona State as a student athlete in college. How have you used that role to not only advocate for, advocate for the conference and for Evansville, but your own experience and your, your teammates' experiences as a female student athlete? Yeah, so SAC, um, if you would have told me freshman year um, on my first day at campus that I would have this opportunity, I would have 
never believed you. I mean, there's around 175,000 student athletes within Division I, um, and getting that opportunity to sit at the table with 32 other student athletes that represent um, Division I, it's, it's a blessing. Um, and whenever we do get into those rooms and have those opportunities, I'm not just advocating, obviously, for the Missouri Valley or just for the University of Evansville. It's for all student athletes. Um, so I do keep in mind, obviously, the female aspect while I am there. We try to keep a balance between however, how many um, female representatives we have, male representatives, and we try to keep a diverse um, panel. But it is interesting to see throughout the different topics we talk about. Like some topics we're talking about right now are, for example, like transgender um, participation. And we're talking about like transformations within the NCAA um, and just making sure that our voice is heard. So that's obviously um, SAC's purpose is enhancing the student athlete um, experience. So making sure that whenever we do get those opportunities to sit in those rooms, such as in other subcommittees within the NCAA or just even at the conference or institutional level, um, that our voice is being heard. Even if we do, um, if we're on Zoom and we, we uh, unmute ourselves so that we can speak up in a room full of ADs, SWAs, or whoever it may be on the call, um, even if we do speak up and maybe we aren't heard that we speak up again, because if there's just one of us in a room, we're representing, for example, we could be representing those 175,000 student athletes. I mean, if they were in that seat, they would want that opportunity as well. Um, so that's what keeps me motivated is I know that anyone would want the opportunity that I'm presenting with. Um, so I want to make the most of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Candy, uh, you're the Illinois State SAC president there on campus. And as I mentioned, you're involved in so many different things on campus, uh, including, you know, one that really stands out to me is the Red Birds for Change. And that's a, a student athlete group looking to improve advocacy for black athletes on campus. How have you used your role to advocate for some of the unique challenges you face as a black female student athlete? And if you could touch on what some of those challenges are, because I think it's really important that everybody understand, you know, some of the things you deal with are, are different than the other female student athletes out there. Yes, ma'am. And just for a slight correction, um, Redbridge for Change is not solely dedicated just to Black student athletes. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. good to know. Thank you for telling me. It's um, So Redbridge for Change is all about making sure we're having an inclusive environment and making sure every student athlete has a, a sense of belonging and making sure their voice is heard based on their intersectionality. So I've been really blessed to be a part of that group. And we actually had a meeting yesterday just determining like how we want to change the culture of Redbird athletics. And like, I know we mentioned, or we mentioned in our meeting that we just don't want to wear, want a situation to where a women's golf person, women's golf player walks by a volleyball player and they don't say hi. We want that, that culture to where I know someone from a, the tennis team. I know someone from the um, baseball team as well. So we're just always trying to build a story and trying to build a connection between different sports so we do have that opportunity to make the culture better. And then to follow up on your second part of your question, as a black female athlete, um, I kind of have a perspective of like, just mainly being from out of state. I'm mm -hmm. from Texas. So like the things I deal with and how I struggle is just totally different than another female student athlete who's also black. Mm -hmm. So um, just making sure I have those conversations with or, or like other black student athletes and other student athletes in general is like, has been a huge saving grace. And the challenge I mainly have is just making sure that I'm not just representing myself, I'm representing them as well. So 
always providing a voice and an opportunity to make sure the job gets done. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, Bobby, you know, besides being the all-time winningest Missouri Valley Conference volleyball coach and arguably you and I's best volleyball player in history, you're also a mom, as you mentioned, to, to four daughters, two sets of twins. Uh, your older girls, Bailey and Sydney, they both play college volleyball. Uh, Bailey's on actually on your team and then Sydney stars at, at UT. I know she's won a national title with them. What are, what are some of the biggest changes you see in opportunities for young women from when you were a student athlete to now as a coach and mom to two female college athletes? Yeah. It, and the interesting thing is when you, when you talk about resources and different things, the two differences between my daughter that's here at UNI and then my daughter that was at the University of Texas, um, incredibly different opportunities as far as resources, but both having, you know, awesome opportunities to be able to compete at, you know, the highest level. So um, I think that's one of the things. And I, you know, I look at, and I don't, obviously I don't know um, the resources for male sports at Texas, which I know are, are crazy, but uh, it, the improvement and the things that they um, are able to do with their student athletes um, that I've been um, talked with Sydney about, I mean, you to not do well, it, it would be partly on your uh, responsibility because the resources they have for academics and just uh, being able to um, be the best athlete that you can be, not just a volleyball player, but into, you know, the resources with, for mental health. And, you know, just, there's so many things that um, all of those student athletes have the capability of um, being able to use and take advantage of. So um, it's so awesome to see that. And, you know, I, I don't know, um, you know, when that expansion happened for those universities. And I know, you know, we're still, you know, here at UNI, you know, we're, we're, getting better at all of those things. It's, it's definitely a different level than uh, at Texas, but just being able to see some of the things that, you know, as a student athlete here at UNI that I wasn't able to have and the, the opportunities that my daughter is now able to have um, because of, you know, and I just, it is Title IX, but it's also so many women that have fought, I mean, not just women, people that have fought to make this happen. You know, obviously it takes more than just that, but it's all, you know, like I look at Diana, I know she's a fighter and, you know, it excites me to, <laughs> I know so many people uh, in this world that have, have come and gone and, and done um, such great things to provide these opportunities for these amazing young women that are going to continue to fight for opportunities for, you know, the next generation. So I love listening to Kennedy and McKenzie because it's like, okay, we're going to be okay. You know, we have people that will continue yes. to, to fight for it. And it, it's just, it's so, so fun, but I am incredibly thankful that, that my daughters, you know, and if they didn't want to do sports, it's fine too. But um, the fact that they have wanted to, and they've had those opportunities to be able to do that, I'm definitely blessed for that opportunity. Yeah. Diane, what are a few things that you wish today's female student athlete understands about Title IX and the <laughs> importance of their role going forward in it. And I, I'm sure you can speak directly to, to Mackenzie and Kendi. Well, you know, I'm, I'm so impressed with these two. And obviously, Bobby, uh, as Bobby said, we're in good hands because what articulate, bright young student athletes. And that, I miss that at coaching. I, you know, I'm around our teams here a little bit, but not, you know, it's, it's really rewarding for me to hear this. Um, but uh, I think that, phrase that question to me again. 
Yeah. What, what are, what, what are a few things you wish, um, today's female oh, what they knew, what they knew. Yeah. What they, what they need to understand about title nine and more importantly, the importance of their role going forward in it. Well, I think that, you know, I'm so glad that schools are, you know, mandatory making, uh, hopefully all athletes, not just female athletes learn about the history of title nine. Uh, and it wasn't even for, you know, athletics, it was for med school and law school entries. We just happened to tag along, you know, and that's, that's what Title IX was all about in the beginning. Uh, so the history and, and what people fought for and really, um, you know, Charlotte West, um, the, the people that, that were real pioneers fighting for opportunity, those people we owe so much gratitude uh, to. And I hope that we don't lose that. Uh, I hope that, you know, I don't know whether they've ever, your student athletes have ever even heard of Charlotte West, but you know, I hope that they do. I hope that they, they learn about the people that created the opportunities that they are experiencing. Uh, we used to just be so glad to have the opportunity. And I'm always telling our student athletes, Fear, be fearful of the entitlement. I thought it was it was um, great that Joe Burrow tweeted out, you know, go do your workout. Don't tweet your workout or don't TikTok your workout. Just work in silence. And I think that that parallels a lot with, um, you know, our women are fighting in silence. Um, it's, you know, the opportunities. And I think it was good that what happened with the NCAA basketball last year. That really... I mean, people couldn't believe it, but we, that we live it. So we know that it happens all the time, the disparities, but I think that was good that that awareness was brought to the forefront that, that there still are major uh, disparities in men's and women's athletics opportunities, advantages, weight rooms, number of coaches. Um, and so it's, it's, um, it's a fight. We've come a long way, but we're still, we still have a ways to go. Mm -hmm. Mackenzie and Kendi, I'll, I'll pose this question to you, um, just because of, of your work on SAC and other organizations that you're involved in, what do you view as some of the, the challenges um, that you have going forward, not only in relation to Title IX, but just women's sports in general, and what you want to pursue, Kendi, and especially in your case, just what you want to pursue as your career? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll go first. Sure. So... I, I think the biggest challenge I see right now kind of goes along with what Diane just said is like TV exposure. So I think Bobby can attest to this as well, but it's kind of like pulling teeth just to get um, the first and second rounds of the women's volleyball tournament on television. And I think with the numbers that skyrocketed this year with record-breaking appearances and um, just TV, um, TV standings and TV numbers was like super important. And I think it just showed our, how volleyball has impacted not only myself, but like even um, just the fan base. I, my brother and I talk about this all the time. He's like solely invested in it now. Like he, he wouldn't even watch volleyball before I even started playing. And now he's like rooting for different people. He's knowing, he's like tweeting out, um, who's like the best players, who's like leading statistically across the NCAA. So I think that's been really a challenge that I've loved seeing come to the, for, the forefront, excuse me, the forefront. Awesome, Mackenzie? 
Yeah, kind of adding on to that. Um, just, I feel like women are always against a scale. Um, for there to be buy-in for a women's team, I feel like we always have to be a good team or prove ourselves. There's always something to prove. And I feel like that can be um, applied to any situation, especially like in the workplace or in your professional careers as well. And um, there's always something to prove. And until you prove yourself or show that you're a um, successful winning team or person, um, then they finally get that buy-in and that support. And sometimes I feel like men just automatically are on that scale and get that um, automatic buy-in. So I feel like that's something we could continue to work towards is um, not just checking off a box that, um, yeah, women are equitable, equitable to men and we're having that gender equity, it's there, um, but making sure that no matter what, women and men are equal um, and that they aren't put up against a scale. Like, oh, they are successful, they went, um, seven and oh and now now they're a good team so we can all support them and have that buy-in and we should all have that from the beginning um, for both men and women so that's kind of something that i've seen is still a challenge yeah kendi i want to go back to something you you just said um you talked about tv viewership and you know exposure for women's sports is so important as we've seen over the last year or two and i'm glad you brought up the tv numbers we we've obviously seen it with volleyball the record viewership um and we've seen it even more so with college softball, yeah. Mackenzie. Um, this year, I was thrilled to see that so many college softball games are going to be on like main ESPN and even a ABC at times. Um, so it's this whole idea. If you give women's sports a primetime platform and exposure, the, the viewership is there. Uh, people want to watch it. We're just not given the opportunity. So I'll, I'll pose this question to all four of you. And, and Diane, I know you, you and I have talked about this even with LPGA golf and just golf out there too, that, um, in relation to the coverage they get compared to what the PGA gets, what still needs to happen for women's sports to be showcased more, um, not only on TV, but even I look at when I'm covering all of, all of you, um, your sports teams, and I'm calling your volleyball games uh, at Illinois state or Northern Iowa, or I'm calling you know, softball game for the, the Valley. I have a really hard time. I'll be honest with you when I'm doing research. Um, there's not a lot of, I virtually no articles in the local newspapers. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I get a lot of my information from talking to coaches and from the game notes, but it's hard to find any coverage on any of the women's sports. So, um, Bobby, let's start with you on this question. Yeah, well, and I was thinking just of something with what McKenzie said, like just even the buy-in, you know, we need to get to a point where we're not doing these things because it's title nine and we have to do them. You know, I think of, oh, well, we need to get a female strength coach because, I mean, we need to do it because it's the right thing to do because women deserve that. You know, it's the same thing with everything. So if it's just a well, this is what we're supposed to do because we have to meet title nine, this, you know, I get that, but yet where's the buy-in it's, it's like what happened with the men's and women's basketball. How is that even a thing? Like, why, why is that even a thing? You know, so just trying to get more buy-in and belief in what we're doing, not just doing it because we're supposed to do it. And I know it has to start somewhere, you know, so just getting more opportunities for coverage and, you know, demanding some more, more of those things. But until you get people that really believe in why they're doing it, like all of what we do, um, you know, it's hard because it's just, it feels like a band-aid fix. It feels like we're doing it just because we have to, as opposed to it is the right thing to do. Women deserve this. We are strong, you know, so just 
trying to, I like that, that word McKinsey with that, you know, buy-in from everyone as opposed to just, just doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Mackenzie. Yeah, I would just add on to what she was saying. Um, another word to buy in, I would just say support. And um, I think support starts at the lowest internal level. Um, that campus support, I think, is the most um, imperative thing. Once your campus supports you and your teams and coaches, um, and I think it does, obviously, funding does play a large part. And since we are all mid-majors, I mean, funding isn't the most optimal thing right now. But um, just helping in any way you can to make sure that we are giving those opportunities, not kind of like you were saying, Bobby, not to just check off a box. I think that's something very important to me is sometimes I feel like, okay, we are doing this thing just to make sure it's equitable. It's like, where's the purpose behind it? Is it actually genuine? Or are you just doing it because you have to, to fall in line with things? Um, I think we need to start getting to the point of we want to, instead of we have to. Um, so that's kind of my take on it. Yeah, Kendi. I think it just starts with kind of what Mackenzie just said at the internal level. Um, I think having the, the humble conversations with male student athletes starts like, you need to support us just as much as we support you at your game. So making sure we hone in that like we're all one, but like you, you can do your part to support your counterparts as well. Diane. Well, I think that um, I, I really think that we have power, especially our alumni. Uh, when these two young ladies graduate, you know, and I was, would try to instill in my student athletes, pay back the opportunity that you got. So that starts with giving. Most husbands control who they give to. And so, you know, you get married, you have kids, you don't really pay any attention to that. So get invested in paying back, uh, get invested in donating back to your team or your school. Don't just let your husband, you know, give the donations to where he wants. And secondly, we have buying power. So that is sponsorship dollars. Just like volleyball got on TV, people watched it for the first time and got invested in it. But somebody has to sponsor that to get on TV in the first place. So we have power. We have power to tell Procter & Gamble to, to show more women's sports on TV. Um, I don't really know how to do it, but I do know that we have power. And, you know, the LPGA has an all-time viewership right now because they're getting more and more sponsors. They're not just showing on the Golf Channel at 10 o'clock at night. They're, you know, they're getting prime hours. So I think that we need to, um, you know, student athletes do all they can. And obviously they represent. And, uh, but when they graduate, they need to, uh, to still assume that responsibility and that power to uh, one, pay it back, and two, to pressure companies into sponsorship. Diane, you and I were talking uh, the other week, actually, just you know, in an everyday conversation, we were talking about name image likeness. Um, and I'm curious to get Mackenzie and Kendi's thoughts on this, but Diane, from your perspective, uh, NIL, it, it was not a thing. It was not on the radar in any sense of the word when you were coaching. Right. How do you, how do you feel like name image likeness maybe affects title nine going forward or how, how can it positively affect women's sports going forward? And I'll just leave this one example. Um, Paige Beckers, who's a star player for UConn women's basketball team, and she's injured right now. But I mean, she signed the the biggest NIL contract of anybody um, in the college athletics landscape. And she has one of the biggest followings uh, on social media too. Uh, so it kind of just goes to show 
the, the power that these female student athletes can have going forward? Well, social media, I didn't have to really deal with that much social media because I retired in 11. So I, the, the fear that I have on that, and, and I know that a lot of the uh, money that, that student athletes are getting is coming from TikTok and different things. So that doesn't affect, I think, the, the base, the core base of sponsorships, uh, like I'm fearful. I know we don't live in a big area. This is Carbondale, Illinois. Uh, we only have so many dollars to draw in to sponsor our whole athletic department or to sponsor engineering and you know everything else. So if a particular car dealership wants to get our quarterback of our football team, then those dollars are gonna go to the quarterback of the football team, not to the athletic department, which will trickle down affecting women. So, you know, as it, the, the social media dollars, I'm all about that. Even though I don't think it's necessary, you know, I think that, you know, this is a whole different show when, you know, the, the, uh, we have millions invested in coaching salaries and all that. It's gotten way out of proportion in my view, but, uh, you know, and the, the cost of an education, the value of an education to me is enough, but you know, we're going the diff there, we're going the different direction. And I, I'm glad to see female athletes are taking advantage and making some money. But I just am very fearful that it's going to cost the bottom line of the athletic department. Mackenzie and Kendi, I'd love to get your take. Um, NIL, it wasn't a thing when I was a student athlete at Arizona State. So I'm always interested to, to learn more about it and what have been your unique experiences with NIL, um, both positive and negative. And Kendi, let's start with you. So I actually have a positive experience of having, I'm, I organize a, a podcast. So I kind of have a positive experience of gaining money and um, using that opportunity to make sure my voice is heard and talking to college executives across the nation has truly been an, an inspiration and just something to think about towards the future in my career path. So that's been a positive. And then um, a negative experience, I would say, is just not knowing how to market myself as like a mid-major student athlete, because mm -hmm. we, we're in a sweet spot of that we can get some that trickle down from a power five and still get a little bit more conversation than conferences who are not in a power five and who are mid-major like us. So that's been kind of the negative experience of wanting to broadcast yourself and wanting to market yourself, but you're not sure how you want to and what companies would make sure you're in line with their values and their values are in line with yours. Mackenzie. Yeah, so I haven't personally um, utilized NIL. Um, so I've kind of seen it from the outside and seen both the positives and the negatives. Um, so like Kennedy was saying, I think it does impact each different um, quote unquote level of division one differently, if you were to say. So, I mean, your power fives, they are probably more likely to get more use of the NIL and the larger um, benefits from it um, and the larger deals. Um, but then I do like the creation of NIL. It gives you that opportunity. You can, if you want to create your own athletic brand, you can do something like that. You can have your own podcast and benefit um, financially from that. I really do like that opportunity because we don't get the opportunity to financially gain very often. I mean, we 
part-time job. I mean, that's not, it's not really in the cards. I mean, for some people, but with our busy schedules, it's just not really um, feasible all the time. But then the drawbacks that I do see from NIL is the improper usage. So while it's great and student athletes um, just see the dollar sign sometimes, I don't always know that they see what you can't do with NIL. Um, and like, I'm very fortunate that I get to sit in the meetings going through like the logistics of the do's and don'ts. Um, but I think NIL education is still not fully where it needs to be. I mean, we've talked a lot about that at the national SAC level, but it's hard to educate on the national level um, because each state has their own rules and regulations. And are you actually reporting it to your institution and things like that? Um, so I do think it is a little bit more beneficial than it is negative, um, but I do think it could get some student athletes in trouble if they were to use it um, in the wrong way. Bobby, the NIL, it's, it's newer to you as a coach. So what has been your experience with, with your own team and, and just being a part of the athletic department there at UNI? Yeah, I, I think that um, I have views similar to Diane <laughs> with, with some of the things. Um, and I think part of that's the area that we're in as well. You know, we have very few dollars and we're always struggling even to get a good amount of dollars just for our athletic department in general. And I do think that um, some of those dollars will eventually go to some of our student athletes directly. Um, so I, th I do think that's a, a tough side of it. Um, you know, when I listen to Kennedy and talk about the podcast that she's able to develop, what an awesome opportunity. I, I think there's, there are some great opportunities. And I, I think the hard part is it's just kind of thrown out there right now. And like Mackenzie said, there's not a lot of rhyme or reason to a lot of things. And I think um, we, we need to do that to, to make it um, a really beneficial thing for everyone. But um, yeah, and I, you know, I, we talk about entitlement a lot. I think it, um, you know, that's going to be even more of a thing, I think, um, in certain situations. Again, it's not every situation, because like I said, Kenny's opportunity, and we have a couple of student athletes that do some things that I think are really beneficial to their growth just as a person. So, um, you know, I, I think there's so many different, you know, avenues and spectrums of this that, um, there are definitely pros and cons for sure. Still very new though. Like, I <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm still trying to grasp everything with it too. Just being able to talk to the student athletes and coaches to kind of get the full picture of it. Uh, Kendi, I should have asked you the podcast you mentioned, uh, what is it so we can check it out? <laughs> yes, ma'am. Sure. Uh, the podcast I'm a guest host on is called one question leadership podcast. So Awesome. To all my interviews with high level executives, a little pub right there. <laughs> right. And is it uh, iTunes, on all the podcast platforms? Is that yes. where we can find it all? Yes, ma'am. Cool. Awesome. Well, well before, before I get closing comments from each of you, I do want to open up to each of you um, if you have any questions for each other, uh, because obviously different generations. So uh, Diane and Bobby, if you have any questions for Kendi and for Mackenzie and Kendi and Mackenzie, if you have any questions for Bobby or Diane, any burning things that you, you all are wondering. I think my question would just be for you two, you know, as I mean, you're amazing young women, it's very obvious um, to see that, but, you know, as a college coach, you know, what things do you think we as coaches can do um, to help you, if that makes sense? Um, I kind of have an answer to that. So I would just say continued support. I mean, I feel like you coaches do everything 
from my perspective, I feel like you already are supporting us, but just continued support, I guess. Um, having your coaches meetings and just amplifying kind of what we're saying. So obviously our voice can only go so far. We, we try as best as we can to make sure our voice is heard, but just maybe that second level of amplification and that support behind our voice. Um, so if we are pushing for maybe, I know another hot topic is mental health right now. So um, just anything that we're trying to push for and um, maybe get through to the next level, you're kind of that, that middle ground. So I feel like um, that support behind us. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the biggest part or the biggest component that sometimes coaches miss is having that having those conversations outside of just being a player. So you have those conversations of being a person, being a student, and just making sure your players are right with outside of the, the court in our sense. But the, that's the biggest component to making sure to ensure success moving forward as well. Well, I think we're in great hands with, with what I'm seeing here. Uh, but I, I do, think that role models are really important for females. And, uh, you know, with you two being role models, we're in good shape. Um, but think about, I know you have grand vision and, you know, both of you and, and where you're going to go and an athletic director, which is important when you're an athletic director, hire female coaches. I think females need female role models. And uh, as salaries are getting higher, we're we're getting more and more, um, I don't even know the latest statistics, but it's, it's scary. Uh, when back in the day, we used to have 90% of female coaches coaching female teams. And now I think it's less than 50. So I but I, and I think that role models are very important. You guys being terrific role models, but don't forget that when you graduate and get in the big world, coaching's a nice, it's a nice job, very rewarding. And I love that you said that because I actually have had the privilege to mainly be only coached by women. So that's been a really great experience. And I would like to see my student athletes when I become an athletic director, have that opportunity to embrace the grind from a, from a female leader and a female mentor. So I love that you said that. And I also think that having these conversations with um, people who have retired like yourself and people who have embraced that grind of title nine and coached and played those conversations have always been like my favorite because you we talked about that sense of entitlement of like the little things I bark about or the little things I'm asking for you like set the set the platform and the foundation for that and you're probably just looking at me like why are we complaining about this when you should be? <laughs> Not at all. I'm very impressed by all of you. So I just absolutely love those conversations. And I want more of these conversations that um, get the opportunity to, to talk to women like you who've set the foundation for us. Well, a lot more women way ahead of me, but I just kind of carried the water for a little bit. I have a question for the both of you. So um, I'm getting my, well, after this semester, I'll have my bachelor's and master's in health services administration, um, but all my work within athletics and especially through SAC um, really makes me question if I do want to go into athletics. Um, so for people like me who have been impacted, I mean, their entire lives by athletics and maybe are debating about going into a career within athletics, are there certain roles um, outside of coaching that you see having the most impact um, being a woman in leadership? 
So Mackenzie, are you I, talking within sport? Yeah, within like college athletics, okay. like are specific roles. So I think she's asking like if, if you, she, she wouldn't be a coach, but you know, some other role in athletics, a yeah. non-coach role. And I think, you know, part of it depends on what your strengths are and what you enjoy doing, but there are, you know, lots of opportunities just within the administratively, you know, I look at like what, you know, if you're like somebody that still likes to have that, because some of the roles, you don't get the same kind of connection with the student athletes, I would say, but, you know, we have like our, the people that work with our academic, like our academic advisors specifically for athletics still have a pretty big role in not just the academic side, kind of like for us as coaches, it's not just about the sport, it's the entire experience. And so some of the, there's roles definitely like that. And I think that depends definitely on the department and the size of the school, because our academic advisors are very involved in a lot of different areas. So that is, you know, I don't know if you're looking for something where you'd be more involved with the student athlete as well as just athletics, if that makes sense. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I'm honestly, I'm open to anything. And I know there's a lot of my colleagues as well that are kind of where I am right now. And so I was uh, kind of feeling it out for them too. I think any involvement you can get coaching, uh, you know, you, you go on and you have a career in advertising and not even in athletics, you coach a little league team. That's important. That's a role model that gets kids involved. If they have a good experience in little league and they're not bullying and they're, they're, they're somewhat successful, but I'm not into that. Everybody gets a trophy thing, Me either. but, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, you can, you can make uh, a big difference in uh, uh, a young person's life when they're six years old that will, you know, impact them the rest of their life. So you just have to seize the opportunity. That is, I think that's one of the most rewarding things too. I'm sure you feel that way, Diane, too. So like, if, you know, like you said, have a completely different career, but they have to find a way to be involved in, in coaching, you know, whatever that is and their desire to want to do that. Um, you know, that's rewarding and awesome for sure. Definitely. Well, I, I want to give you each an opportunity to, to make a closing comment and uh, Diane, you'll appreciate. So Bella, my chocolate lab is sitting here staring <laughs> me down. That's uh, also how I know this conversation is winding down. because She's staring at me looking, saying, it's walk time. Mom, mom, when are we going for our second walk of the morning here? Yes. Um, Diane, I'll, I'll uh, start with you. Just any closing comments uh, or thoughts you have about Title IX, uh, Missouri Valley Conference women's sports or anything related to the topic? Well, I think the Valley does a great job. Uh, you know, I, I uh, you know, it's been 10 or 11 years since I've been actively involved, but uh, it's, it's rewarding for me to be on a panel to, to get to say whatever I want to say. And I appreciate that for Mike and Kelly to, for the invitation. Uh, I'm very encouraged from what I'm hearing and, and our state that, that we're in, but it is a fight. And uh, I'm not sure that we'll ever have uh, the same real opportunities, the same budgets, but uh, just it's, even though 50 years is a long time, it doesn't seem that long ago to me, you know, that, that we were just like uh, playing only softball, as you said, or, or my opportunity was GAA, Girls Athletic Association. That was our only opportunity. And now, you know, young ladies are, are having opportunities from the time they're born on up. So I'm very excited about that. And I think that uh, uh, the future is bright, but we've got to remember that we've, we've got to put our time and efforts in. 
Bobby. Yeah, well, I agree with everything with Diane and just super blessed to be on this panel with amazing people. Um, and I like I think the thing that I would just like to emphasize is, you know, obviously I've I've made sports my career, um, but I have just an intense belief that the opportunity to be a part of athletics, no matter, you know, if it's just in high school, you know, whatever age uh, helps shape who you are. And I have this conversation, you know, my four daughters all you know, we go to a small school, they play all the sports, they are very involved, but every day, you know, I'm talking to them about you are, you're not the sport, you are the person you're becoming because you have the opportunity to be involved in this sport. So, you know, yes, keep coaching, you know, those be the role model, but you can be a role model in so many other ways outside of sport. And that's my thing is the sports have allowed you to have all these opera awesome opportunities and be in circumstances and build relationships that you should be taking with you in all aspects of your life. So Kennedy, I know you want to continue in sports and McKenzie, if you do or you don't, whatever it is, that's your passion, take everything that the opportunity that sports has allowed you to be a part of with you to be able to, you know, have a platform and whatever that is in life, you know, we're, we're talking about sports, but it, it's for everything in life, you know, women can do anything, you know, and it doesn't have to just be about sports. So I'm um, just making sure that that we are using that for for all aspects of our life. Mackenzie. Um, I first want to thank you for this opportunity to be a part of this amazing panel. I've had um, this almost sparks another life inside me and I know only have a few months left. Um, as being a student athlete, but this is just the extra push to get um, through and to keep working for student athletes. Um, but I think just continuing that even though we have made these few changes and this 50 years, we've worked so hard to get to this point to know that there's never going to be the perfect or there's never going to be the end, but we need to keep working for change and advocating for change. Um, so even whenever we set that one goal and we achieve it, we need to set more goals and continue to reach um, and strive for those. So I think transformation, although short-term goals and um, achievements such as, I know we talked about the women's basketball tournament earlier. So yes, while things like that and the gender review um, have been completed, we still need to continue to work further um, and never be complacent, um, I guess is my. Kendi. Um, first of all, I would just like to thank everyone on the call and thank you for this opportunity of being just being a representative for Redbird Athletics. And the thing I would like to leave us is like dimming, lighting someone else's candle will not dim your own. So making sure we're providing a voice for the next lady or the next woman who's um, coming in after us and just allowing them to have the same opportunity you have or, or even bringing a chair to the table that you sit at. That I think that's gonna be the driving force for moving forward and building a better culture and just creating more opportunities for women in sports in general. So that's all I have. No, I, I love it. It's very well said. And I, I always love to tell people there's a, there's a seat at the table for every woman, so. Uh, I just want to take a, a moment to personally thank all four of you. Uh, you're, you all four are just so inspiring. Uh, Kendi and Mackenzie, I just uh, so unbelievably impressed with both of you and the, the positive things you're doing, not only um, for your own, own lives and own careers, but other student athletes, other females at your school, and, and also representing your institution. So 
keep doing the things you're doing. Uh, Kendi, I'm, I'm at Illinois State a lot, so let's connect. Let's grab lunch. Uh, Mackenzie, I, I, I'm almost a positive. I have one of your softball series against Illinois State, so let's Perfect. connect when, when you play them. Uh, Bobby, I always appreciate you and our chats on the phone and the opportunity to cover your team. And Diane, you know how I feel about you. Uh, you're one of my I favorite, love you. One of my favorite I people love you. in the world. So uh, this is this is such a joy. I mean, I could talk to you all for three hours, um, but I know we all have busy lives. And Mackenzie, you got to get on the road because you're going to yeah. go down to Alabama here. So uh, just thank thank you so much for taking the time today, um, and I appreciate you all and all that you do. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you yeah, so thank much. You so much.